You're listening to the Mind Your Home Podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home Podcast. Hi, everybody. I am here today with Stephanie of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. I'm so happy to have her here. Um, she has a, a very um, a very informative podcast over there that I've been listening to here lately that teaches you not just about minimalism, but about sustainable minimalism. So I'm really excited to have her here today. Stephanie, do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is that you teach and what it is that you are sharing with the world? Thank you so much for having me, Mia. This is a lot of fun, and I always love being interviewed because it doesn't happen so often. I'm usually the interviewer. My name is Stephanie. I am the host of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast, which is a show about minimalism and about living with less stuff. It's also about decluttering, but more specifically, it's about the ways in which minimalist living and eco-friendly living are quite similar. So that's what we're, that's what we're discussing over at the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. <laughs> that's perfect. I love how you have your own lens of looking at the concept of clutter-free living. You know, I feel like all of us kind of bring our own little uh, perspective, I guess, or our own little lens of looking at it to the table. And yours is sustainability, which is great. And I would love to know how specifically does minimalism really relate to and support sustainability for you? Well, I'm going to give you a super long answer. So I hope your listeners are <laughs> buckled <laughs> Go in. For it. Uh, I guess I would say that my minimalist journey started shortly after I became a mom. And my husband and I and my newborn daughter, we were living in a 850 square foot apartment, two tiny bedrooms. And, you know, I have lovely family and friends who just showered my daughter with gifts, showered. And when I say she probably received over 100 outfits, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. There was just so many clothes and so many toys. And then there were all there was all the gear that a new baby needed. And I just found myself so stressed out with organizing and managing all this stuff in our tiny apartment. So I decided, and not overnight, this was over the course of months of, of soul searching, I decided that I was going to embark on minimalism. And so, you know, I did what most millennials do. I joined some Facebook groups and <laughs> I learned a lot. I got a lot of motivation from these minimalist groups, these moms in the same position as me. They're living counterculturally by embracing minimalism in a com consumerist society. And yeah, I got a lot of motivation, but one thing that just did not sit right with me was you know, the assumption that as we declutter, we just throw all our stuff in a trash bag and have it carted off by the trash man. And that really, really made me bristle. So I thought to myself, all right, I'm not a minimalist. Maybe I am an environmentalist. So I got back on Facebook. I joined all the zero waste groups and I learned so, so much about everything related to eco-friendly living. But that was not a perfect fit either because everything seemed to be like very black or very white. 
very right or very wrong. And with me as a young mother with a baby, I just didn't feel like I could always be on the right side of eco-friendly living. So one night I just, you know, bought a domain name for $15. I didn't put much thought into it. Mamaminimalist.com. I still blog there today. I really just did it on a whim. I was <laughs> overtired and, um, but I wanted to provide a place for moms like me who were struggling with, you know, they want to be a minimalist, but they want to do it in a sustainable way. I wanted to speak to those people. And so that's the really long way of saying, answering your question, that minimalism and sustainability are like sisters, right? They're very, very similar because they're both rooted in reduction. In minimalist living, you're reducing the clutter, you're reducing the stress, you're reducing the overwhelm. And when you are living sustainably, you're reducing your impact on the environment. And one final point here <laughs> is that when you're a minimalist, whether you know it or not, you're being powerfully eco-friendly. I love that. I love that whole thing that the way that you came into kind of merging these two worlds together to fit who you felt like you are and where you wanted to be. So I'm curious though, did you ever find a solution that set well with you as far as, you know, getting the stuff out the door and what to do with it instead of just hauling it off to a landfill? Well, that's a great question because that's how the blog started. And my earliest uh, posts was all about me just documenting the places that I found to donate these items or give away these items or sell these items. Like we had, I remember, you know, 80 pens, 80 pens, like who needs 80 pens? Not me. <laughs> and I didn't want to just throw them in the trash. I looked at them and I said, this is an awful lot of waste. And um, so, you know, a, I wrote a blog post about how you could send your pens to this artist. He's called the pen guy and he makes these elaborate murals from old pens. And so that's how I started. I started as a resource for people who wanted the benefits of minimalism, but they didn't want to like trash the planet doing so. Wow. That is so cool. There's a guy who actually collects old pens and makes art with it. The pen guy. <laughs> that is awesome. That is too awesome. Um, so Let's talk about buying eco-friendly versus not buying at all. Um, first of all, do you do you buy a lot of products or have certain stores that you go to that are specifically eco-friendly? That's a great question too. So I'm always struggling with the this. And uh, I I used to be a teacher, so I kind of like rate my behavior on like an A to an F scale. <laughs> <laughs> like if I wanted to get a low grade... I'm just going to do what I used to do before embarking on this soul-searching, sustainable, minimalist journey. I would go to the mall or go online and buy the thing with the best price and be on my merry way. That would give me a low grade on the eco-friendly buying scale, right? If I wanted like an average grade, let's say a C, I would do my research and buy an eco-friendly product, right? I would look for corporations that are committed to sustainability and are paying their workers ethically and are not dumping gallons and gallons of chemicals in waterways as they're dyeing their clothing, right? That would get me a C. But I believe that the best way to be not just a minimalist, but also to be sustainable is to just not buy. So not buying and acquiring what you need from alternate means, like borrowing, repairing, reusing, 
uh, thrifting, those actions would get me an A. Does that I, does that answer your question? No, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you're saying that that not buying it, you know, buying eco friendly, sure, it's better than than you know just buying the things that are wrapped in plastic and full of waste. But not buying at all is even better because then there truly is zero waste. And at the same time, you're not cluttering your home with different things that you possibly don't even need. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I know I posted on Instagram recently about these boots that just spoke to my soul. Uh, Facebook's algorithm knows that I am an eco-friendly living, excuse me, an eco-friendly leaning consumer. So they just shove all the eco-friendly ethical brands on my newsfeed, right? I mean, that's smart mm-hmm. on their part. <laughs> uh, but I, this, these pair of boots just showed up on my newsfeed and they were ethically made. They were handmade by local artisan. They were, um, you know, made with quality materials. They checked off all the boxes for me. They were, they would be what I would consider an eco-friendly purchase. And I wanted them so badly, but at the end of the day, not buying is better than eco-friendly buying, in my opinion. I remember you talking about these boots and I was like, oh, she's got to share the boot story. You said that they were even um, signed, I think, by the person who created them. Like they went all out with these boots. I saw the picture of them on Instagram that you posted too. <laughs> yeah, they 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 were, <laughs> if I was going to spend $248 on boots, <laughs> it would have been these <laughs> boots. <laughs> that is too awesome. But Another thing you were saying about the boots, though, is that you're not necessarily the type of person, like you want to be the type of person who would wear really cute boots and tight jeans or skinny jeans, but you're just, it's not really who you are. That's so true. Yeah. So it's so funny you're asking me this question because um, I just did an interview with a couple of researchers studying this, but Um, You know, the concept of like aspirational spending and consumer identity, when we follow people on Instagram, or when we watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, we uh, see these people living a certain way, we want to aspire to be with like them. So we purchase stuff um, that may not be aligned with who we truly are, right? And these boots, they're super cute. I wish... I wish I was the cool mom who wore the skinny jeans and the fancy boots to kindergarten pickup. I, I want to be that mom. And maybe by buying those boots, they, they could potentially make me that mom. But at the end of the day, I know that when I rush out the door to pick up my kid from kindergarten and I'm going to be late, I'm not going to be reaching for the boots and the skinny jeans. I'm going to be, I'm going to be reaching for the yoga pants and the sneakers because that's, that's truly who I am. I'm not the cute boots type of lady. I love it. That is so, because I can totally relate. I love that. Um, So I do want to ask what are, and it sounds like you've made a lot of changes since embarking on this whole journey. What do you think are the three most impactful changes that you've made toward more sustainability inside of your own home? So I want to just right off the bat say that this, I've been on this journey towards sustainable minimalism for six years now. So it's not like overnight, I just like started killing it. (laughs) I believe that any lifestyle change, especially sustainable, sustainable minimalism is like incremental. It has to be incremental if people want it to stick. So 
over six years, my husband and I have dedicated ourselves to significantly reducing the amount of trash that we produce. And we do that through a number of ways. The first way is we started composting and um, composting. I'm not going to like go into all about composting, but composting is not dirty or gross or worm filled or any of that stuff. It's really just simply a third sort of your trash, right? So if you're already in the habit of separating your recycling from your trash, recycling your food scraps from your recycling from your trash is not that much extra work, right? And just doing that has really, really cut back on the amount of trash that we put on the curb each week. In addition to that, we've slowly over time adopted what the environmental community likes to call zero waste swaps, which is you take a product that's a single use product, like a tissue or a napkin or a Q-tip or a tampon or whatever it may be, and you replace those single use things that you use once and then you throw in the trash can with a product that you reuse. And so you know, again, over six years, we've been adopting these products. Some we liked, some we don't like, some we tweak. Um, and that too has really cut into the trash that we create. Like we don't buy tissues anymore. Everybody has a handkerchief. I mean, we're bringing it back to the fifties. <laughs> Everybody's got a handkerchief. We don't buy napkins. We use um, repurpose rags. When my daughters stain a shirt, you know, a stained shirt is no longer donatable. I cut it up into a nice little square that's our napkin. Um, gosh, I could go on and on. Uh, but those two, so those two things have really come into the trash so much so that we use, so in my town, we send our trash to the curb every week and we have to pay for it out of pocket. It doesn't, we, that's not in our taxes. So we, it's a private thing. And so after a little while, my husband and I said, you know, I don't think we need to send this, uh, barrel to the curb every week. Let's go down to two, two times a month. So every other week. And that saved us about $120 a year. And then after a while longer, we said, you know, I think we can just send this out once a month. And so now wow. we're saving $220 a year by just not really doing anything out of the ordinary or harder, just kind of looking at our habits and tweaking them when necessary. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see how, you know, switching out things because it's those, it is those reusable items. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but we go through quite a few paper towels here. You know, there's a mess. We use a paper towel. We're eating food. We use a paper towel. And I can just imagine that if we were to switch out paper towels for something like what you're talking about that we can just wash and reuse, I mean, that alone would save us tons of waste. And it would save um, you tons of money because paper money. towels aren't cheap. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. I need to, yeah, you're, you're inspiring me to make a few changes over here. Um, and I'm curious about the compost too. I've seen people do it. What do you, what do you do with the compost? This may be something everybody else knows, but me. Like once it's, once it has turned into compost. Yeah. So the compost, you're, you're scraping your food scraps there, correct? Yep. So there's all different types of composting. The type I do is I separate the the fruit and vegetable or the produce scraps like your onion peels, your apple cores. You can do um, eggshells. You can do any brown paper. So your toilet paper roll. I compost tissues. If when we or sorry, I use I compost toilet paper sometimes. 
Um, you can compost lint, you can compost, you can compost an awful lot of household trash. And so I just collect it all in a little bin under my sink in my kitchen. I bring it outside to a bigger composting bin and that's where the magic happens. That's where it turns into compost. You just kind of leave it there. You don't have to do anything. You just get a shovel and turn it every six months, let's say. But nature does its job. It turns into the most nutrient rich loam you could ever imagine. And then I, in the spring, put it in my flower beds and in my garden. Wow. That's crazy. And if you don't want it, like I've talked to many people before who don't even want their compost, that's fine. There's somebody in your area who wants your compost. (laughs) If you just, you know, Facebook, your community group, who wants my compost, come and get it and they'll take it. So the final change towards sustainability that you know, we're constantly trying to enact with my children is just, you know, buying less stuff, like buying less toys. It's harder as my daughter, my oldest daughter is now six and, you know, she sees stuff her friends want. And, um, you know, she says, well, why can't I have this? Like, why can't I have an iPad? And I'm like, first of all, you're six. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, you don't need it. Right. And so, just adopting the mantra, like in this family, we do things differently. Like in this, your, your friends all might have iPads and that's wonderful for them. And we're happy for them. But in this family, we do things differently because we don't just do what the Joneses are doing. Um, we do, we do what we do. So I guess those would be the three biggest changes that we've enacted. Those are good ones. Those are good ones. And they're, I feel like um, something that could at least easily be initiated for those who are looking to to take on a more sustainable home space. Um, so my last question for you is, what has been the hardest transition for you to make? Who? Um, are you talking about a product? I can give you a product. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it could be anything you want it to be. But yeah, a product. I imagine there's something that you've been like, oh, I kind of miss the old version, <laughs> or so, you know, something <laughs> that was just at least difficult to make that transition. So, I'm not sure if you know what a shampoo bar is, but it's essentially a bar of shampoo, like a bar of soap, like a bar of soap, except it's a bar of shampoo. And the point behind shampoo bars is it. Uh, you know, gets rid of the need for that plastic bottle that you're going to trash that probably isn't going to get recycled, right? Because who washes out their shampoo bottle? If you, here's another tangent, but if you're just throwing out your plastic stuff and you're not washing it out, it ain't going to be recycled. So the shampoo bar is the way to just not even have that plastic bottle. And I am continuously searching for a shampoo bar that actually works on my hair and doesn't leave it like dry and brittle kind of it does they don't the shampoo bars that I have tried and I've tried about a dozen (laughs) they don't lather the same way as like the the liquid soap so I'm still working on it I haven't given up yet but that's been the hardest one I would say the hardest transition yeah I can understand that I I'm pretty particular about my lather too you know I want it to feel like it's super bubbly like I know it's doing its job and I'm sure it is either way you know I just need that extra evidence totally <laughs> so this has been great thank you so much for sharing all of this great information with me and my audience um, let us know what you have going on and where everybody can find you 
you can find me and my, so you can find my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You can find me on social media. I'm probably, I would say, most active on Instagram. And my username is Mommy Minimalist, M-O-M-M-Y Minimalist.